You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. What's up, everybody? Here it is, Vox and Hops, episode number 13. Today, I got the pleasure to sit down with one of the best death metal singers, in my opinion, from Montreal. His name is Sébastien Curateau. Now, now, Sebastian Carato has been a very, very busy boy this past year. He explained to me what he's been up to, and uh, it has all to do with reinstating his classic death metal band, Necrotic Mutation, which formed in Irimuski. He talks about his experience of being a part of a live death metal band for a theater group. That's right, a theater group, a seated theater group for the play called Jean Z, which is a, basically a translation of Simon Says in English, at Centre du Théâtre d'Aujourd'hui. And he tells me all about his unbelievable immersion into the world of creating monster voices for video games, television, and films. All this and more on this episode, Vox and Hops, episode 13. Check it out. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm here at Cité 2000 in the Cryptopsy Jam Room, and I'm hanging out with Sébastien Carato, the vocalist extreme from Necrotic Mutation and uh, the leader of the Monster Squad. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, tell me, what have you been up to? Uh, well, actually, it's been quite a busy year for me. I had, I, I, I you know, Necrotic Mutation was... was not a band anymore and we came back from the dead for like 20 years ago so I, I had the band restarted we re-released our old stuff we did the Davy Montreal show and it was quite a blast you know having to practice with old bandmates that you haven't been playing for like 20 years <laughs> and then at the beginning of the year I had the um, play um, at the theater Sound du Théâtre d'aujourd'hui and uh, I, I had to, to do a death metal music for a, a professional play and we played in front of 5,000 people with with people you you know in, in the musical scene with Etienne Gallo from uh, Ends of Despair with uh, Dominique Forest from from I don't know is from everything <laughs> and also Mathieu Berbe from Terra Mobile so we did a band and we did the music for for the the play and then after that I did like three video major video games uh, um, this year Rainbow Six the outbreak the zombie mode and then after Far Cry 5 when you go to Mars and you kill creatures I am the voice of one of probably two creatures up there and then the last one Shadow of the Tomb Raider I did the voice of a priestess actually a girl in the in the game and I had also a movie out this year which I do the uh, extraterrestrial voices for the uh, the aliens in that movie so quite a busy year that that, that is absolutely <laughs> a very busy year yeah so let's break them down one by one Necrotic Mutation is back. Yeah. You rejoined. I was at Heavy MTL. I saw the performance. I thought it was super interesting that uh, throughout the songs and throughout the era, I guess it was different eras of the band, different members came up to perform different songs. Exactly. So talk to me a little bit about that and why you did that. For me, it was important to show, like, most, because it's not all, but most of the mutation that took place in the band during his existence. Like, from 1992 to 2000, almost 2001... We had so many different people joining the band. Like for, for the first 
like what I call the first mutant was the, the, the first who did the band was uh, Chuck Tremblay, Simon Roy, Daniel Jalbert, and David Landry. And then after Daniel Jalbert, which was the singer and guitarist, quit the band, and then he was replaced by me and by another guitarist from the band I was playing in, which was a cervical slot at the, at the, at the time. <laughs> slot with a no, not a U. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Nowadays, it would be with a U. Exactly. And um, and then after, the, 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 the guitarist left, and there was another one who joined, and then one died, and another one came, and then another one, and then most of the band split up and then I had like Eric Jarin from now the, the well-known band at the Spice Icon uh, René Lacharité who's playing in Evans Cry and at the, at the time one guy was the cousin of the first singer of the band Steve Poirier joined the band so there were many mutations and for me it, it's kind of an homage I wanted to make sure that most of the eras of necrotic mutation were portrayed or were shown in in the in the in the show so we had to choose like from different we had different songs from different period you know, like the the early 92 93 because we had the demo in 92 the demo in 93 and then after a mini album in 95 and another one in 99 so we had a couple of different songs to choose from and then it was like okay so we're going to do the show half and half for songs <laughs> for for the new the the, the, the most recent members and for song for for the oldest uh, members so it was quite easy to choose a song because it was mostly from their period like when we first did the song feeding on human flesh well for me for sure that it was all the the old members that were to do this uh, this song so we had to practice at the beginning since it was like 20 years that we haven't practiced together we weren't sure how many songs the old bandmates we're gonna do because for me if we're gonna do a show at the evening montreal that there's no compromise to do about the quality of of the music that we were about to play so i was like okay you're gonna do songs but if you were able to do two songs you're gonna do two songs if it's three it's three if it's four it's four but it's not more than four because obviously we have the other people from necrotic who has to do uh, music too but uh after like three months of practice I don't know what happened, but something happened, and, and everything fell into place, like, right, bing. We were right back in 95, like, when we were playing together with the same chemistry, and, and, and the, the, you know, uh, and, and the playing was, was like, like I said, I don't know what happened, but something happened during the course of, of the, 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 the practice that we had before the, uh, the show. And then after, well, we said, we, if we're going to do the AV Montreal we might do a couple and of course we have to play in our hometown Rimouski so that that's the next show in uh, uh, less than than the month now that we're going to play there and then we're playing with you guys Cryptopsy and Barf and Insurrection at the uh, at Montreal too and probably next year we have a couple of other gigs coming on because if we practice a lot for all the songs that we made and it would be a shame not to play more shows because we put so much work <laughs> in putting the song together again so i i think we're gonna we're gonna surf the wave a bit like you know we're not it's it's not an official comeback but we're gonna surf the wave a bit and see where it goes from there and there there are also old songs from necrotic that were never released 
So we might have a shot at that and release them. We don't know. So just just so that I understand, the whole reunion or regrouping, coming back together, was all based around the Heavy MTL show? Actually, it was based on the fact that I was going to play in a, a, a play at the theater. And since I had to practice my vocals a lot for the play, I was like, okay, I'm going to practice my vocal. I'm going to be able to do show again. So why not start the work on what I wanted to do for a long time, which was remastering our old album and demos and stuff and making sure that, you know, for, for the first two demos, it's on tape, you know, and, and we all know that tape cassette have a shelf life. Exactly. Exactly. So after 20 years, you know, that there's still a couple cassette left here and there. But um, if, if we didn't do what we did, uh, probably it would have been lost forever. You know, after a couple of years, maybe col- maybe collectors would have the cassette, but they're not playing it. But I, I didn't want that. So I wanted to make sure that we 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 took all of our songs and then remaster it, do some new artworks. Uh, what we didn't have a website back then in 90s, 95, 96. So we did a website and then we said, okay, so we're, we're going to sell CDs. We're going to sell shirts. So we had to do our shirt again because uh, the way we did it back then is not the way we do it before. So my graphist had to do all the, or, or redo all the shirts by himself, you know, to make sure that they were uh, um, almost the same as the original uh, uh, um, design exactly so it, it, it's like it's been like a year and a half now that I've been working with two of my friends on the project and of course it's a lot of work because we don't have a record company or we don't have uh, uh, anything else besides ourselves doing all the promotion we do the when, when we receive orders through the web well I'm the one and uh, another my friend is the one who's putting all the shit together and put it in the, the mail and so so it's a lot of work doing that now because most of the band that are professional nowadays or they're well known they, they have a record company they have a lot of people taking care of those aspects but for us you know we, we wanted to to we want we want to do things our way and uh, so it's a lot more investment in terms of the money and in terms of the time but at the end we're still uh, we're still master of what we do when we want to release thing and and stuff so yeah so that that's what we did so it's because of the play that I did I say well why not it's it's a good timing we have to we have to do something about necrotic it's now or never you know I, I I had the Elvis song in, in my head like it's now or never you know I'm, I'm gonna be 43 next Sunday and I don't know how many years I have left as a death metal singers hopefully a lot many 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 exactly but I was like it's like a, a it was like a call in my head that okay this is the year in 2018 and 19 that you're going to be real busy with your voice and i'm glad because it happened like i'm real busy (laughs) busier than ever with that but it's the power of the mind exactly (laughs) so you set it all up you started putting all the stuff uh getting it all remastered getting all the old demo tapes set up onto digital yep and Heavy MTL just heard about it all happening or you guys contacted them well actually we're lucky to have Eric Jarin in, in the band because 
he knows everyone from from the spice icon he, he's a, a well-known finger in the metal community so when, when when we thought about redoing all the stuff and maybe do a show i wanted to do a show that you know that 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 is a good show not not playing and i don't have anything against the piranha or those <laughs> small clubs but for me there was there was not a doubt in my mind that we needed to play a big show and i imagine that you know not to knock the old members and all that stuff there but if their you know comeback show was at piranha bar versus heavy mtl maybe they would have taken it a little bit less serious exactly i think they were a lot motivated by the fact that they knew that there were going to be a lot of people coming to see and also the fact that after 20 years of not playing that metal I think they had to prove to themselves that they were still able to do it. Were most of them like just out of the scene completely? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The drummer, uh, the drummer did play a bit of rock after that, but no metal. And the bassist stopped completely. And the guitarists went to do uh, sound for uh, artists in in, in their live and gigs. And then another one went to work for uh, Ubisoft. And so, so they stopped metal completely. On 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 on, on, a, on the other end, like Eric Jarin didn't stop, René La Charité didn't stop, and the other one. So it's for a lot easier for them to to catch up. We learn those songs exactly. They're already in you know metal shape. Exactly, or close to metal shape. Because when mm-hmm. you played in a in a prog rock band, it's not that metal, but it's still you're playing. And mm-hmm. for the rest of the the old bandmates, they haven't played nothing for like 20 years. So it was like, okay, they they they. I I think the the ego part played a role, and that was a good thing. Let's talk about this beer that I brought for you. Yeah. It's called uh, the Momo IPA. It's from uh, Mabarasri. Uh, Mabarasri is in um, the east of Montreal on Holt Street. It is a, a co-op brewery, and they yeah, brew a whole bunch of different breweries, beers, all in underneath one umbrella company called Mabarasri. And uh, this is brand, brand new. It just came out for their second anniversary. And uh, I'm extremely happy that they put it in a can because uh, I was going there over the summer and I kept telling them, this is great. Put it in a can. <laughs> I'd buy it. I'd buy it. And it came out this weekend. So uh, Indeed, it's cheers really to good. them. Yeah, it's cheers, man. It's really good. It's. Um, I'm, I'm more of a wine guy, but I like beer that tastes like this. Yeah, it's got mosaic hops and another M.O. hops that I'm not familiar with. So mosaic hops is my favorite hops. Yeah. It's fruity. It's tropical. It has like, uh, you, the first thing you said when we tasted it before, you're like, oh, it has like grapefruit juice in it. Uh, yeah. And I'm like, no, no, it's just the hops. It's just exactly. the hops. So let's continue back to what we were saying from Necrotic Mutation. Now let's move on to the death metal play. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. Actually, it's funny because... I got contacted by a guy I was friend on Facebook, but never knew about, like many people on Facebook that you had as friend. I, I, especially when, when since it started, I was like, okay, I had friend requests and I was always saying yes, because I n- never knew where it was coming from, because I... I, I, I I've been I've been a politician. <laughs> Funny story about that. Exactly, and I, I did a lot of things. I've I've helped musicians. I've worked for uh, unions for uh, other things in the musical industry. So, at the beginning of Facebook, I was like I was adding a lot of people, 
And unfortunately, I, I added this guy who is actually um, an author and, and he already did a couple of plays in, in Quebec, Montreal. And he, he sent me a, a, a message like, I'm going to do a play. It's called Jean Z. And I want to I wanna have a death metal band. So I know you. I know I've been following you for years. I was like... Dude, I don't know who you are. So. Yeah, and just just to set this straight for everyone, this is not like a small time thing. This is no. a, this is like a play in a real playhouse where they do plays all the time. Yeah, 250 people every night for 20 20 shows and for like huge publicity in all the mainstream media and you know it it, it, it is it. So did you take him seriously? Of course, of course, because. Uh, When he wrote me, I was like, okay, I'm interested. And then I went to look. <laughs> I Googled the guy. And I said, oh, no, it's it's really the real thing. It's like the guy did uh, <laughs> professional plays and for like many years. He's a well-known author. I, I I called my mom and I said, do you know this guy? And she said, yes, I know him. <laughs> so if my mom knows him. You mom checked him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, okay, no, it's really serious. So then I asked, uh, we had a meeting. And he told me, okay, look, I want to do this. I'm not sure exactly like what is going to be your the lyrics the, the, for, for you guys and, and how we're going to incorp incorporate the music and the play. But I, I, I have like a good idea of where it should be, but I'm going to need to, to, to look at you with when, when we're going to do practice with the actors and stuff. But uh, I, I want to know if first you're interested and second, if you can, if you know musicians that would be interested in, in doing a band because, and, and he gave me total liberty about the people that I choose for, for the, for the play. So for me, I went like, okay, who's, who's like the top five drummer, top five bassist, top five guitarist. And then, okay, who's the, on the, on those five who are not in a big band and touring because it, it was a long investment in terms of time. because we start practicing in Actually, the first meeting we had was last August, last year. We started practicing in September, and the play was in February. So it was a serious time commitment. Exactly. So, so, so the the musicians were asked to be in Montreal and to practice every week for a period of six months. It's a and miracle that Forrest was available. I know, I know, but, but the pay it was so damn good. <laughs> it, was, it was motivating. That that when I told them about how much we were going to be paid like they were like oh damn like it's like a fourth of my salary mm. annual income yeah. you know and, and and we're never paid to do that kind of things you know so 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 that helped a lot but then also the fact that we were going to do something that has never been done before here and i don't know if, if it's been done elsewhere probably but for me that was a first that having a death metal band in a play professional play in front of people and playing in front of a lot of people that and that's the part i like that are not into metal at all like that i knew and that's for me was a source of motivation because like i've been doing with necrotic mutation you know back in 90, 95, 96, I was a bit tired of playing in front of, every time in front of the same people, 
I said, we, we, have, we have to find a way to play in front of a new audience, even if they don't like it, just a chance to show them what we can do. And then came the Polywog, which was a festival, and there was like rock band, rap band, whatever band was in there. And we started doing show, you know, with, with, uh, with those bands. And then after it came along, we were offered to do a Christmas song. <laughs> no way. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, damn, yeah, we're going to do a death metal Christmas song. And we did Saberger, which was uh, uh, which was really <laughs> funny. And, and it was heavy as, as hell. And so we did it. So And we made sure by doing that that new people were going to listen to, to, to that. So I, I've always been comfortable in, in, in playing outside of our comfort zone. Because as musician, whatever you play metal or not, you really like playing in front of people that already like your music or are close to like your music, you know. But for, for that, for the play, I was like, damn, we're going to play metal in front of old people, <laughs> people who are actors, people who are really not into metal. And for me, that was like, yay. That's like motivating, whereas for other people, it would be intimidating. Exactly. It's like playing to a wall of hate. Exactly. And, and the funny thing is that most of the people that came to give us their comment at the end of the play, they were like, I don't like metal. I really like what you did. And oh my God, I never thought I would be able to understand the words that you were singing because they all in their mind for death metal vocalists or vocalists, they're, they're, they're like screaming and, 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 and we, we cannot understand what they're saying. But because it was a play, the text was so important for me that the vocal work that I did, I had to make sure that the words were real well pronounced and that people could, even with the distortion, could hear what I was saying. Was it being projected somewhere, or was it? Yeah, exactly. They that were helps like, too, for yeah. me, it was like uh, subtitles for the the <laughs> for, opera for non-metal people. Yeah, and it, it was also so, so. I was singing, and the the text was also uh, in the back on the screen. Okay, like at the opera. Exactly mm -hmm. during the play. Exactly, exactly, exactly. It's also interesting because like like there could have been like death metal just in it, but the fact that there was a live band and not just them playing some track, which exactly. would have also been destabilizing. But the fact that it's a loud fucking death metal. Band. Yeah, and we were like, like, like what they did back then when they went the windowing music for the old movies. There, there was a live band playing, and, mm. and they were doing the music right, right when you were looking at the movies. You know the old ways of doing things, and that's what I like. And of course, the reaction is not the same because it was also to make people understand a bit why this music exists. You know, and you cannot see the talent of those musicians if you just listen to it. You have to see it. And a lot of people were quite amazed about, oh my God, the drummer is not like mm -hmm. just, just blasting. It's like really talented. And, and oh my God, there's so many notes. It's really hard. And, and so, so a lot of people were amazed at the musicianship that they, they could not think if they were just listening to it, but they, 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 they saw it and they believed it and say, okay, now this is not, this is not noise. That's know? it. Because if you're like not used to hearing metal or listening to metal, you don't know how to dissect it the way that you and I could and exactly. actually hear all the instruments doing the different things and knowing what talent it takes to play these certain things for them. It's just like, ah, screaming, ah, noise. Uh, I don't like it. Exactly. And it was funny because the reaction The play was about the truth, hmm. okay, and 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 sometimes the truth hurts, like 
Metal can hurt people who are not used to it. And and the author played a lot on on this aspect. Like uh, and sometime in the play like the play was about, uh, was about somebody we never see in the play actually it's, it's called Jean it's a game and uh, it's like it, in English it's it, Simon Says exactly yeah. and it starts as a joke like okay we're gonna play a game Simon Says and Simon Says you're gonna tell me the truth and you're gonna tell me your truth and then it, it becomes kind of a sick like people are coming into like a cult. this play yeah. and they believe it and it's become a, of a cult and they say okay so 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 a, a lot of the things were ritualistic, you know, when, when people were telling their truth after that, they were kind of baptized in the truth. And, you know, we, we did play, we, we were doing music. But it, the funny thing is we never did like, the longest song we did was two minutes, 30 seconds. Most of the music we did in the play was like sometimes 10 seconds, sometimes 30 seconds, sometimes just... A, a, a musical effect for five seconds sometimes just distortion and a, a vocal you know like and then we we you know it, so it was using both the music as a source of discomfort and the music as a source of catalyst for the 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 uh, the uh, the, um, the actors mm -hmm. you know and the funny thing is that they really did their job well because they incorporated a lot of the metal elements in the play like sometime the actor would do choreographic work and they were head banging they were really? doing stuff that we see in metal show you know so 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 it was not like a band and a band of actors doing something it was really just one play which incorporated a metal band and we were part of the show and at the end I was like really I, I, I like I'm I became an a, I became an actor at the end of the play like I'm really a, uh, people at the end they, they understand the role that the music play better because I, I become kind of a, the one of, one of the actors and the band is also during the play like kind of an actor in itself you know because he's there he's doing things he's he's making people react To what the the actors are saying and to 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 the music and setting like the overall tone of the the play as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. exactly. Is it something that you would uh, like to undertake again? Of course, anytime. I I like it so much. I was like 20, 20 times. It's not enough, and I wish because it. We were like 15 or 20 people working on the show, the actors, like, and, and all the the staff and the the, the technicians. So. I know this show costs a lot of money, you know. Like they pay us really well, <laughs> and I imagine the pay that the actors did. I was like, damn. So I, I know this kind of show is not easy to to to. Uh, it's not easy to do a a, a tour with, with that kind of thing. But may, I, I know he's done it in the past with a couple of other uh, his other plays. So maybe in the future we'll do it again. But even if it's not with that. Tomorrow, I would start a project. If somebody came to me and asked me, hey, you want to do music for a play? And I would say yes anytime for me because now I understand the amount of work that there is. in, in and, and, and I became a theater lover. I, uh, I never you, loved you theater before. before okay. And because I saw all the work and all the details that are put into a play, I was amazed. And I was like, damn. Now, every time there's a play at the place that we, we did the... the, the We did the thing. I, I'm I, I'm there. I, I want to see. I'm I'm like hooked. It's like something that I never 
path would be possible but you know for me I'm mostly a movie guy I, I listen to movie I like movies a lot I have so many at my place you know but n now I know it's it's live the actors it's like it's like a show when you go to see a band they're live they're not playing one after the other like you know like in a movie you know or it's 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 live there there's there's live in front of you there's people in front of you doing their things you know and that for me what what i find most amazing in music and theater now yeah it's like a human experience exactly Exactly. Much more than a movie, exactly, because there's so much polishing going on in a movie. Exactly, and, and you theater. know they they didn't did the old movie like overdub. Uh, exactly, yeah. like one okay, you know they're shooting everything right at the same time. No, it's like cut, 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 mm -hmm. cut. But but you cannot do that in in the theater. Yeah, you know you 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 do the whole thing, and it, it has to flow. It'd be interesting if you like did the play like in in uh, France somewhere, something like that. You know, maybe in the future. I like I don't know because he, he he told us that he, he had some plans, but that now because he's working on something else. But a lot of people were interested about about this. You know, even people from uh, the people from a uh, couple of people from uh, the town of Quebec ask us, "Hey, uh, are you going to play in Quebec? Or mm -hmm. Are you going to do the the thing in Rouen Orlando? Are you going to do that in the Bassin Laurent?" But like I said, this play costs a lot of money, and to be able to tour. With, with the play it's yeah. you have to be uh, uh, a producer with uh, some kind of money yeah to be well funded to, well exactly. <laughs> and if you want to do it well because of course we could do just track the music and then we could like the band could not be a part of the project anymore and they could do maybe more show with that but but it It, 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 it would be to cut a, a part of experience. The yeah, experience the visceral that, yeah, exactly. noise. Because he probably wanted that yeah, of course. live band loudness. L like like I said, it was a source of discomfort for a lot of people. I was looking at their face the whole time. <laughs> and sometimes I had the impression that they were having a colonoscopy or something <laughs> that, that's really painful and, and discomforting. And But but the thing is, it was it was with the text it was you know what we did was with it was the apropos of the of the of the play it was there so at the end they they they, they understood why you know it had to be a, a dead metal band for for the play and the funny thing is like a lot of people came to me and say oh how can you sing like that and i explained it to all the actors and at the end all the actors in the play they were answering the question that people asked me because <laughs> they, i told them so many times that oh no 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 it's really a technique and it's like this and like that and that's what and all people were damn and i've been invited to the um, école de théâtre in montreal at the the, the next semester because uh, they have singing classes and the the singing teacher there asked me to to uh, to go there and to show them exactly how it's done and the different throat singing te techniques that are close to that metal uh, singing so i was like damn that's cool you know it's for me it's it's just it's not making people love what i do it's making like people understand what i do that's you very know? very interesting yeah we had spoken <laughs> at length about this and i've still been tickling my mind about it uh, give me a rundown of how your vocal style has developed over the years actually i started uh like probably everybody else uh, every singer um, i come from the tape cassette era so i was listening to cannibal corpse on tape i was like how can he do that and i was trying to imitate the sound that i was hearing 
Um, I did the same when I was listening to Fiji of the Forgotten uh, or Suffocation and then DSI, DSI I was trying to imitate and I was quite lucky because at the beginning I, 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 I never had any throat problems any problem with my vocal cords so I must have had a good technique right from the start and I know a lot of my friends who were doing uh, uh, trying to do the voice they hurt themselves and and they, they maybe they had the band and it, it lasted for a year or a year and a half but after that they weren't able to sing anymore so I was lucky but I, I had a singing background I started singing I, I was I was singing in a choir when I was younger so so I had a musical background I had a bit of a singing background so that probably helped me a bit but yeah I listened to a lot of tapes and I tried to do the same and like all the singers at the when we learned what was cupping his mic we we all I, I remember all the singers and Rimouski tried to, to do that you know cup the mic to have a, a like a louder voices more cavernous like it's a fallacy exactly exactly <laughs> exactly but back then it was a cool thing you know that it would make the voice sound heavier and then after um, I remember it was in 97 I saw a movie called Baraka this is a movie and there's music there's images from all around the world and there's no script it's, it's really just music and images around the world and I listened and, and there was a song playing and, and there was one guy and I thought it was a, a, an effect like not a, a voice effect but just an effect in the in the in, in the in the music soundtrack and it was somebody doing two two noises at the same time like singing and there was like a high note floating around I was like damn I really want to know what what machine is using <laughs> <laughs> I want to use it on a necrotic Dude, exactly, song exactly <laughs> exactly because I'm a voice guy I like voices I was like damn that's cool but then I learned when I look over the, the internet, I learned that uh, actually was somebody doing this without any any machine that was just using his voice and using his tongue to produce what we call harmonic singings. And I was really amazed and I was like, damn, I have to do that. And, and after like a month or two, it's again, it's hazard. Uh, the the uh, my drummer's girlfriend was reading a uh, Shatlin, which is a <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like a lady magazine, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and she came across uh, an interview about a guy who was actually teaching throat singing techniques in Montreal, and she she gave me the article and I was like damn wow the timing is perfect I want to I want to learn and I want to see this guy and I, I probably had like two or three lessons with him and, and, and I was a quick learner I was able after three le three lessons to do things it was not able to do <laughs> so I became I became his uh, his uh, protege exactly and his helper when he was doing uh, uh, lessons with because he was doing lessons in group like four or five people at the time I was there to assist him like to show them things that he could not do what was he did he take this well or was he annoyed yeah yeah no 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 I, actually the, this guy is like so so zen so like no ego for for, okay. for him it, it, he was just happy to find somebody as passionate as him about throat singing mm -hmm. and then we were lucky because we had like the we organized in the first throat singing festival probably in the world with uh, Tibetan monks Inuit throat singers and I was the one representing the death metal community because <laughs> for them death metal was 
a form of throat singing and and we have to go back to 97 when i went to the hospital of montreal with um with doctors we actually introduced cameras in my nose and my throat and we were able to see and they were like a tibetan monks and an inuit throat singer and i was me and the singer now of obsolete mankind marilyn landry and she was there so so we had cameras and they looked at how we were able to produce the while sound. you were screaming exactly and the guy and the guy and the doctor said well it's it's so much alike like you're using your false vocal cords to produce that and then there's the question of intensity of the the air we push with the diaphragms but for the rest it was a, a question of vibration it's for tibetan throat singing it's mostly done on the vocal cords yeah we have two vibration that is going on and it it produce it's it produces a what we call a subharmonic like a note under the note that we're singing and that we're able to amplify And when they look at the death metal voice, they say, well, it's the same thing, but it's not the vocal cords who vibrates, who have two, two, two different uh, uh, speed of vibration. It's actually, there's too much pressure, and the second speed of vibration is done on the false vocal cords. And this is what produces the subharmonic, and that's what you amplify. So we have the impression that death metal singers sing really low, but actually they don't. It's all in the technique, and, and the technique is similar to the Inuit throat singers and to the Tibetan throat singers. So when they organized in 99 the, 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 the throat singing festival, we had Tibetan monks. So I was lucky because I, I had Tibetan monks, I had Inuit throat singers who actually taught me how to, to, to work my voice better. And the funny thing is, every all the exercises that I did when I learned throat singing, it actually helped my death metal voice getting more precise, being able not to be so shaky anymore. I had a lot more uh, precision and, and I was able to maintain the flow of, of air uh, uh, more stable, w with more stability than what I was doing before. So all the small exercises really helped me in, in my, in, with my death metal voice. And then after I did a lot, I, I tried different stuff. I had a, um, a throat singing musical band called the Globe Globeglotters. And I was doing like like death metal, throat singing. I was using my natural voice. And for me, that was the first. And I was always shy of my natural voices. For me, I was not. I was naked when I was doing clean singing. So I did that. Without I did the distortion. Yeah, exactly. And I was. You, you were doing that in, in cultural centers. Doing exactly. shows for like. Young families, young families, and and old people. And, <laughs> and the funny thing is that we incorporated the death metal voice in a couple of our songs when we were playing in front of those people. And because we were actually uh, showing them what we can do with our voices, the fact that even if it was death metal or death metalish, uh, people were really happy about it. Like they were dancing. <laughs> I was like, damn, that's not possible. But it was because the song before we were doing Tibetan throat singing, the song before we were doing Inuit throat singing, the song before we were playing bluegrass mixed with throat singing and Jew harp. And, and we, we, we were mixing a lot of different things and vocal techniques. So, so what would be the difference between the Inuit throat singing and Tibetan throat singing? Well, actually, the, the Tibetan throat singing, like I said, it, it's... Uh, it's you you use the vocal cords and the the you in a way that 
it has two sets of vibration on it. So, as an example, if you know, I'm gonna that's what I wanted. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you, you, you want you wanted that, right? <laughs> so now I, I didn't like do your warm ups. Yeah, exactly. I'll cut it out. Uh, if it sucks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like usually, I do a lot of warm ups nowadays. That more than I did before, but it goes like this. <clears throat> oh, I knew I, I had to. I have to warm up when I do it, but that's okay. <laughs> oh, so the note you are singing is like huh? oh, oh. That's cool. You can turn it on and off. Exactly, too. I can turn it on and off, and and when I turn it on, there's a second set of vibration mm-hmm. on the vocal cords, and that that's where the subharmonic appears. And by turning it on and off, is it just the pressure you're applying from your diaphragm? There, there, there's actually two things, the pressure and the way I, I just put a little more tension on the vocal cords. Okay. Because we, we need the tension, actually. It's always, you know, the voice is always a question of pressure and tension that you, you put on the vocal cords. And for me to be able to, to switch from one to the other, I like like a little bit more tension and then a little bit more air. Mm-hmm. But I have to find the, the sweet spot, so so uh, so it does that. And for the uh, Inuit throat singing, well, usually it's done by women, and, and it's never been done in an, in the Inuit community by men. And usually they 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 laugh at you when you're a man and you do that. But why <laughs> why why do why do you think that is? Well, because it, it's uh, it's a woman thing. It's like for them culturally, it's been. Thousands of years <laughs> that they've been doing it's it. Only the ladies, and it's only woman, you know. And it's really like uh, burned, like in their in their ingrained in their in their, their mind. Exactly, their exactly. But nevertheless, I was a white boy. I was curious, and they showed me how to do it. So usually, there's two women. So so I'm technically I'm going to be doing two two sounds that should should come be from done. two different people. Exactly. And it's really rhythmic, contrary to the, the, the Tibetan throat singing, which is like, like real smooth, real zen-like, mm-hmm. you know, because it's the Tibetan monks. But then... They got time. Exactly. They have time. <laughs> but then when you're up north, it's like, oh, you need to eat up because it's, uh, it's cold. And so it's, uh, it's a little more rhythmic. And it goes like... So excellent uh, diaphragm. <laughs> so usually it's yeah. like two people doing those sounds. It's I, almost more nasally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, At least one of the sounds you were doing. Exactly, exactly. But uh, and some song they're like, so it's a little bit more higher. But mostly it's they have they have like a distortion, like um, which would be rough on the vocal cords, probably that. Their false vocal cords, hmm. like like I said, if you look at it, you just the the different techniques. For me, death metal is 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 a part of the throat singing family. 
That's so close. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I left our, our last hangout together, and I was the whole way home. I was just trying to throw <laughs> thing the whole way. The, the, and, and for me, it, it, like like I said, it, it all makes sense because even if culturally it doesn't make sense, because we're so far from the Inuit community, we're so far from the Tibetan community in, in a lot of ways. You know, if you just look at what we do with our voices, it's It's so close, it's crazy. Just a difference of pressure and vibrators. And for one, it's like, okay, a little more pressure. Like for death metal, it's a lot of pressure. The pressure is like fully on. And then there's so much wind that the vocal cords cannot withstand it. So they kind of like, they, they play chicken a bit. So and then it's the vocal cord, the false vocal cords who comes and try to like kind of protect the vocal cords from all this pressure. And that's what we do, and that's what what, what happened with our voices. It produces subharmonic, and we we have the impression that we're singing real low, but it's not the case. It's like the same thing as the Tibetan monks, and you can turn er, turn on and off, like you can do. Wow! You can do the same thing. You can turn it on and off, and like I said, it's we produce a subharmonic and we amplify it. Yeah, yeah, that's now I'm gonna drink some beer. Yeah, yeah, hydrate yourself, (laughs) hydrate yourself. and do warm ups and that's I know it's always it's always a bad bad idea yeah, exactly <laughs> how did the transition into the video game voices start well actually one of my friends I met him when when I was playing uh, gigs at the Polywog you know like like I said when I wanted to necrotic to play in front of people that you know didn't really like metal music I met a band called Redcore and I became frame, friend with them and actually, it's funny. They, it was more like a rock band, but they like my voice so much that they asked me to to do a Christmas song with them. The second Christmas song I did was "Fa La 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 La," and that there's like this really loud fucking voice in the in the back. <laughs> in the band, and that you. was me. <laughs> so, so they, they they play that song live. So when when it was around Christmas time, I went. When, so this guy was a friend of the band, and I became friend with the guy, and he were and went to work for Ubisoft. Back in 2005, and uh, he, he, he knew a lot of people in Ubisoft, and he, he, he just like told me, well, maybe uh, if I talk to the sound guy who was doing the, the the voices for the, the the game that we're working on, it might be a good idea that you talk to the guy and show him what actually you can do with your voice. Because I was able to do throat singing, I was able to do death metal, I was able to do harmonic singing, and a lot of different voice effects. That, that I that I was able to do back in the days. So I went to 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 meet the the guy uh, at Ubisoft, and he showed me like five different monsters uh, drawings of monsters. And then, and each time it was like, well, what do you think this creature sounds like? And it was like, oh, this creatures. Well, if you look at the face, the body, and that would probably be that kind of voice, and then that kind of voice. So the, the meeting went well, and then I never heard of him. I, I didn't heard of him for like six or seven months, and I was like, no, I didn't get the gig. I didn't get the gig. You know, it probably would have called me, but I didn't knew back then that it sometimes it took such a long time for game development. Exactly, exactly. Now I know, but back then <laughs> I was so like, okay, no, I didn't get the gig. But then after he called me back and he said, okay. Um, we're almost done. All we need is the, the the voices for the monsters. So we need you for two days. It's gonna be eight hours each day. 
for everyone listening. A typical studio day for me for Cryptopsy is like, you know, three hours and I'm happy to stop. Yeah, exactly. And it was eight hours for two days. And 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 they told me what I was gonna be paid. And I was like, damn, I, I cannot miss that chance because I don't know, maybe I'm gonna be doing that in the future. I thought about that back then. So I wanted to impress them. Uh, so I, I said, yes, I'm gonna do it. You know, for 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 the challenge, for you know, to to maybe in the future that was something that was going to be big for me. So I said yes, and for the money because I was well paid back then. So I went into the studio, and the funny thing is, all the creatures he shown me like eight months ago, that was not the same creature. <laughs> <laughs> They changed, and, and, and he didn't bother to to tell me that. So I was like, oh damn! So I had to improvise on the spot and choose from my different the different types of voice that I'm able to do I was like okay no this creature is like more of a zombie this creature is more of a this and that and then I started recording and it was really difficult because I I even if I took good care of my voice like for every half an hour I was going to take five minutes 10 minutes break uh, after the first day my throat hurts I was tired yeah. exactly But then I, I knew I had another day coming, so so I Lots took my sleep. citrus and and whatever you know a lot of uh, um, uh, honey and stuff that I knew back then was good for the voice. I didn't knew about uh, suppositoire. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I've tried that one. So. I, I, I hope I did, but I, I didn't knew about about it. Why why do suppositories work? I don't know. Or it, if they do work, is it is it is it, is it old wives' tale or does it actually no, I, work? No, actually, it's amazing. Really? Yeah. It's just because it brings the swelling down off of the vocal cords. Is that it? Actually, it does a lot of things for the throat. If you have throat aches or whatever, it, it just worked for me. I used it. Uh, probably like 10 to 15 times now during the course of my career and if I if my throat is sore if I have like I'm not sure that you know I just want to make sure that everything is good I do it and it, and it's you know the, the fact that it's put in there it, it absorbs everything real fast and it as an effect on the voice hmm. like I, I don't know the the but the exactly <laughs> maybe there's a, a a mental part that's what I, that was what i was leaning <laughs> towards is because whenever i have a big gig or something like that i always feel like i'm getting sick or something i don't know if that happens to you and i like go through that week and my wife is always like no no you always say this blah 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 because you're got the big show coming up yeah no for me no i it, it, it really helped me the couple of times that i had to use them uh, Uh, it it truly helped me. So at the end of the second day, uh, so you went in the second day and exactly, and delivered. I was I was spitting blood. Oh fuck! Yeah, because I my throat was so so hoarse, so dry, so everything. Was that the first time you ever spat up blood after screaming? Yes, yes, yes. Because you know the zombie sound, it's a lot throaty, and when you have to do like five hundred of those, like. Yeah. Imagine doing 500 voice effect just with that, and then after another 300 with another types of voice mm. that resemble that, and then whatever you know. The, the, it's it's like playing 100 shows. Exactly, exactly. So I was glad I did it because after that, I became the number one guy for Ubisoft when they wanted to do monsters. 
you know, right after that, I did uh, Assassin's Creed. And actually, I was doing when you poison somebody in Assassin's Creed. That's my voice getting like. They called me for that because, you know, they, they, they knew that they needed someone with some vocal capacity and, and no voice actor was willing to do that. And what, what was being used before? Is it always humans? Well, or? actually, no. The, 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 that's the thing. Uh, for, for Monsters... Before we 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 were there, uh, it was mostly animal sound mixed together, like uh, uh, hippopotamus with a tiger with uh, whatever you know, and, and they were mixing the sound together to to make it sound like it's a monster. But after that moment, when when I started to do the the, the first uh, the, the, the the first uh, video games I did was for, it was called Far Cry Instinct. And then after, right after that, it was not a monster because it was Assassin's Creed, but they needed something done which was hard on the voice. And they, they think it. Let's get the guy to scream like an animal. Exactly. Yeah. But then after, they were like, oh, well, we have Prince of Persia coming out and there's a few creatures. Would you like a shot at the creatures? Um, so I said, of course, yes, I, I, want, uh, I want to try. And so there were many monsters, and that's where I started to ask a few of my fellow throat singers, <laughs> death metal singers, and I said, well, um, Ubisoft need a female voice. So I asked my friend Marilyn, which I knew for many years because she was the one singing uh, one song with me in Necrotic Mutation. And I asked uh, also uh, Yuri. You, uh, which played actually in Cryptopsy and is a human. So I, I, I started. I, I became like a, 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 um, a, a throat pimp <laughs> 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 for, 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 and and I was giving you know names and okay, no, you, you, you want because I, I know that I can do a lot, a lot of creatures, but you know, and I understand their point of view. They want to have different voices doing the different creatures because they don't want all their creatures to sound alike, and it's perfectly legit yeah, everyone brings like a different texture exactly exactly but after that it just went like for like the first i did in 2005 then after it took two years before i did another one but then after it only took a year and then after another year and like i said this year i i did three big video games like huge video games does it also correlate to the fact that montreal is such a hotbed for video game companies yes and yes. They're, they're getting more you know bigger so there's more people working in different games happening exactly. as opposed to before it was just one game at a time maybe yeah exactly but there was like for many years there was only like ubisoft and some other small companies but now now they're like we have warner brother we have idas we have square idas square enix have ubisoft we have electronic arts we have a lot of the 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 big studio here but we also have a lot of the independent studio here mm. uh, the small one like a space space uh, signal space lab the one that i'm working for and uh, a couple of others so the the industry is really the, the video game industry is really big in montreal and we happen to have a, a, a big metal scene and a lot of death metal band and a lot of death metal singers uh so we're quite lucky because like i said we went from doing one video game every two three years from doing three, four, five video game each year. And not only me, the, the last video game that we did, uh, we did 70 to 80 creatures and we were like 15 death metal singers doing all the, 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 the voices for the, uh, the creatures. It's actually called Project TL. It's, uh, um, it's a game mostly played online and it's really big in 
Japan, Korea, and China. You know that 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 types of game that like twenty five, thirty millions people play online. So like it, it went from small to like what what it is like today. And right right now we we are like twenty four, twenty five death metal singers in the not in the company but working with us doing doing voices for what you call the Monster Squad. Exactly the monster. Well, actually the the, the, the in French it's La Fabrique de Mons is like the creature factory. Okay. But but I really like the Monster Squad because it, it's an old movie from the 80s and it's about monsters you should like recopy the, the cover <laughs> with like the, the, the new people's faces yeah exactly exactly I, make I, a shirt I can yeah I can I can do that but yeah that, that's that's when I went from not doing a lot of vocals and, and then after I had movies you know the funny thing is it went from a thing to another and I and for now I had like two movies and one series that I did uh, which was called Elix on Sci-Fi Channel, and I was produced by the uh, producer of uh, uh, X-Files and Battlestar Galactica. It's a great show. That first season was excellent. The, the first season was the best because that was the season we were in, and then after <laughs> they changed the script, they changed everything, and then... That stupid it, it, island. Exactly. It got canceled. So, yeah, because so, they so, left the space base. So when the, you have the, the Arctic base and, and voices that are good, don't, don't change it. Don't change it. That's the... <laughs> That's the moral of that story. <laughs> exactly. Crazy. So, uh, what is the best piece of advice that you have uh, that you received when you were starting out as a screamer? I'm going to give you the worst piece of advice I had. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> it's funnier. Uh, the first show that I did ever, I was uh, 16, actually 17, was in '92. Uh, the first show that. I did was in my first band called Cervical Slot with an O, <laughs> and we, we we were playing with uh, um, damn, we were playing with Incantation. The Incantation. The Incantation. Oh yeah, they're coming soon. Yeah, that was my 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 first gig. And we played at a place called uh, Le Rayon d'Or à Saint Fabien, which is a small town close to Rimouski. So for us, it was a big show. Because Incantation was like, oh damn, Incantation! They had the the, the album on Ward to Golgotha. Their, their, I think their first album just released, and you know, for us, it was like the real thing, the big thing. So um, I remember the day we arrived at the at the place, and then my drummer came to me and said, "Well, you know, uh, uh, for your voice, it, it, it gonna helps if you drink uh, shooters." Oh, of alcohol before before the show like probably five or four or five would be good you know for the voice because like it, it's gonna make you sound louder and, and you know so it's gonna be good and then after he said to me well you know this is a metal show and they were all like older than me so I, I drank what they said to me like it was like the bible for people <laughs> who believe in it like oh man yeah I've got to do that and and then he, he told me well you know you hear you every time you're not singing you, you have to add bang every time like you know if we want to do a good show that that's what it takes and then after like I, just before the show I took my shooter and he said to me, "Well, maybe go to the bathroom and put some water in your hair because it's gonna it's gonna turn a lot faster if they are wet." So I followed all <laughs> all his the Bible. I followed all his good pieces of advice, and I did the show. And I remember 
that was my first show and at the end of her of just the first song i was out of breath from the head banging not the singing part the head banging because i head bang like, like, like a maniac like, like a maniac because for me they told me yeah the head bang like like a maniac so i did and after like three songs and i i, I the funny thing is that i have on tape The, my first show and I remember like sometime at the end of some phrases I'm like I, I like my, my voice like we can hear the 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 out of breath singers we can hear the guy was like has no more air to sing because it's it's so busy with the headband <laughs> so the morning after that show I woke up and I I had veins in my uh, <laughs> forehead. In my forehead that exploded, like exploded, and, and they were like all of they were. It's, it was all red, and we we could see the vein, and it was all red. So that was the first piece of advice <laughs> that I received as a death metal singer. It was like you gotta do that, you know. So, so what resolution to this? And, and after that, I said, I'm never going to listen to old people again <laughs> <laughs> who, who think that uh, they know actually what's going on when I sing. So, so I, I started pacing myself. I, like I, I, I was doing the air bang thing, but I was like, really not all the time because your job is actually to sing, not to air bang. Okay, air bang is a part of what you have to do, but your first job is to sing. So I was like, okay, now I've got, I've got to find the good balance between the energy that I want to put up on stage and what it's needed to, to you know, when when I sing. And it took a, a lot of years to master that. And I'm, I'm, you know, for me, even if I've been doing it for 26 years, it's still for me a, 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 uh, a challenge. It's a balance, really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'm better at it than what I was when I was like 26 years ago. But when I do a, a show, it's like the same... Um, The, the the same questions for me like like okay no I need air and I'm this part I'm gonna do head bang it's gonna be and you know it, it, it always comes back and I always have to find the balance when I'm doing the show but since I know more how to pace myself it's easier now than it was 26 years ago and you have such like a high set of standards of what you want your vocals to sound yeah. like so that's like priority number yeah, one for me for it's priority number one if I, I cannot sound good I'm not gonna Ed Bang, I'm gonna, gonna throw myself uh, uh, on the stage. For me, it's the vocal. It's the first thing. You know, Chuck Schuldiner was not moving a lot because first he was playing guitar. He had a of good course. excuse. He had a good excuse. <laughs> But, you know, for me, it's like you have to sing. There, there's so many singers today, like in the pop music, that are so out of breath from the dancing, they have to put the playback music. Mm -hmm. You know, and for me, it's you're no longer doing your job when you do that. And the same thing for... for You know, we have to sing first. We're singers. We're not choreographed or whatever. Headbangers. You know, bangers. We're singers. So for me, it's the first thing that I want to make sure that everything is A1 when I do that. What is one accomplishment that you're the most proud of? There are a lot, but I'm going to say the show that we did at the EV Montreal for a couple of reasons, but the first one would be that I was able to bring together people that uh, I thought first were not able to play death metal anymore, and then two different eras who actually never met. Mm, really? And not only they never met, at the time it was like the, the, there was 
attention because the old bandmates thought that the band would be over when they left, but the band was not over when they left. Oh, there was bad blood back in the day. Exactly, exactly. So not only I was able to... I, I was like a child asking for his divorced parent to meet up after 20 years. And not only they have fun during the supper... Your parent trapped them. They, they come back together. <laughs> Your parent trapped them. <laughs> exactly. <That's it>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and not only did the... the, the, the um, they, 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 they First, they, they had to accept that the show was not going to be just about them. It's, what it's going to be about... And from both sides, you know, from both sides had to accept that there was going to be other people playing. During. It's about the band. Exactly. Exactly. And for me, I was like, real, no, no, no. It's, 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 it's going to be four, four, depending on if they're able to play it. But I really want to make sure that everyone has time and, and to make sure that they have like all the times that they need and, and for me it was like like I said an homage to the bands I've I've, I've played in Necrotic Mutation so 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 during the course they, they first we practice like the different era we practice on one side we practice on the others and remember the first practice that we did all the band together I was really nervous I, I, I wanted to make sure that everything was going to to, to, to go well and like I said I was like a child meeting his divorced parent and inviting them to to a supper, and not only it went well, they they, they really bonded through the whole thing. Time and heals all wounds, too. Exactly, exactly. And, and for me, we took a picture of all the, the the band together and the different eras together. And for me, that that symbolizes the effort that we did to bond and to 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 show what what is necrotic mutation different people in different eras loving this band and doing music and what's going to happen for future shows is it everyone again or is it just going to be some members for the next two shows it's going to be uh, the same lineup that we had for the uh, av montreal which is the two different eras that are uh, um even if like like we don't have the, the same amount of time for the the show at the national but it's going to be the same thing it's for me i i'm i, I want to I want to be equal so they're gonna be like three songs for one era and three songs for the other one next year it's gonna be something else uh, first because Eric Jarin is gonna be busy <laughs> and hint, I, I don't want to hint at what he's going hint, to hint. be busy with but uh, he's going to be busy and if he's not there for me it's it's what I do with Necrotic Mutation it's mostly about friends and if he's not there, I'm not gonna, or he's not available, I'm not gonna try to find a new guitarist to replace him. I'm not gonna, no. For me, Necrotic Mutation are these guys. And I want these guys to play. So maybe next year we're gonna focus more on the old lineup, doing like oldies but goodies shows, like in different places. Because it's really hard also to, to, when you are seven people in a band, to make sure everything fits. In their schedules for for one show, so especially, especially as we get older. Exactly, and especially when you have like Eric was like two other bands, and Rene was playing in it with him in another band, and Steve is playing in another band to ensure Brooke. Everyone's got kids. And exactly, and, and one of our guitarists for the old lineup is gonna have a, a child in February, so it's probably gonna be mostly like the like I said, the old necrotic mutation playing doing shows 
because uh, we have a few songs that we did with them that never been released so we might try and find the tapes that they're on <laughs> the cassette and and um maybe so start all again start all over again from from what there's on the tape because they're, they're never been released and they were really good song back in the days and I, th- i think it's still relevant for me it's part of the history of the band and for me like yeah we, we might release them but there's also a part of song of uh, with eric we almost had an album out in 2001 everything is recorded and it's only missing one solo and the vocals Since Eric is busy next year, it's not going to be next year, but maybe in 2020, there's going to be uh, something new. So for the next year, it's going to be the whole lineup and maybe the year after the, the newest one. Oh, it sounds like you have everything planned out. A bit. <laughs> you're, a wi- you're a wise, <laughs> but, wise man. But I, I leave some space for the unknown, you know, because we never know. Maybe we're going to be releasing both of the songs that were never released on the same album. Maybe I, mm. I don't know. You know, I want to I leave some, 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 some options. Uh, you know, we plan to do like when right now we're releasing a uh, all our old demos you know the the band actually that were before necrotic mutation the three bands that form in a way necrotic mutation uh were disaster corruption and cervical slot from Ramuski. so i i wanted to make sure that we like i said for necrotic didn't lose the sound the songs and and because it's all on tape cassette and it's going to disappear in uh, in a few years exactly so so we are doing the same thing right now we remaster all the the, the songs from the old demos and since in style to the history of necrotic mutation we called it mutation zero which are the band before it's very cool exactly exactly but there still have a lot of bands from Rimouski from our hometown that uh, might Uh, uh, disappear if we don't do something with them. So there might be a compilation uh, next year, like the ultimate Rimouski death metal band compilation. What was it about Rimouski? It was was well before I started playing with Cryptopsy that there was this fabled scene in Rimouski. Actually, we're still trying to figure out what happened back in the days to make Rimouski such a formidable place to play when you were a death metal band. Uh, I remember Suffocation when they first came, they, they were looking at the, at the mosh pit, the circle pit, and they, they were like, damn, where, where are we? We're like in a, in a small town and it, it, it's impossible, you know, we, we should like, have like in we should be in a big town for this to happen but no it was a small town people were coming over from la côte nord and from the other towns near rimouski to to come and see the uh and and like i i i still trying to figure what what attract people mass so massively to that metal back in that time you know and i i cannot find the 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 answer it's it it just happened and and all the big bands that was funny i remember like uh, suffocation cannibal corpse napalm death came macabre a lot of the bands and they were doing a, a canadian tour and the canadian tour consists of montreal quebec uh ottawa and probably vancouver 
but there there was a place called Rimouski. <laughs> <laughs> All these big On metropolitan tour and big and, metropolitan cities. And that was probably their best gig of the whole tour because the people went like crazy. This the the circle pit were huge. There were like six hundred, seven hundred people like doing circle pit and maybe the there were like fifty people left on the sides, but they everybody was doing the circle pit. That was crazy, you know? So but then after after like the nineties and it, it dwindles and it, it became like a, a lot of people moved out of Rimouski and 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 Rouen Oranda I think uh, uh, got the 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 title. They got after pa- that. passed the torch. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But but I, I, at the beginning, it was really Rimouski. Like Death played in in, in Rimouski. DSI played in Rimouski. You know, Entomb played in a place called Saint Angel, which is even farther from Rimouski. There are farmers there. <laughs> they have lands. <laughs> it's isolated, and I can I, I can imagine the band like your Entomb, your well-known band, and you have to to. You are in the car, and all you see is cows and and churches and 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 bal de foin. <laughs> Some bales of hay. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, okay, you know, I'm gonna play a gig in this town. No and way. And then like 600 kids come exactly. out of, come out of the woods. <laughs> like, where do these kids come from? It's, crazy. it's just like a like a perfect timing. Exactly. Yeah, like it hit, it hit the vein of. Yeah, it's like the perfect storm. It happened, and was bam, and everybody was loving death metal, and everybody wanted to listen to that metal everybody wanted to play in the death metal band there was like 10 12 13 death metal band back in the days in Rimouski for a, such a small town of 30,000 people 40,000 people that cool was amazing if there was a, a documentary about all this I'm sorry a documentary about all this would be amazing actually I'm working on it <laughs> <laughs> of course you are it can go with the compilation uh, uh Damn you! You know know my plan. Well, actually, we're we're working on both of the things together because it's it's it would be amazing if we had a show in Rimouski, let's say next year, with old bands like Garlas or Lord Mortis or other bands that are were in the nineties in Rimouski and. If we had the documentary and if we had the compilation for that show, it would be amazing. And you get like interviews from all these old bands that played there. Get like Terrence from Suffo to uh, exactly. Oh, damn, man! (laughs) I'm sure they do it. I'm sure they do it. (laughs) But but yeah, that that's the plan actually. Because for me, it's like I want to make sure that people remember that time because what happened was so amazing. And I was I, I I was lucky to be part of that, and and, and to have a front row seat mm. for that, you know, because I, I was I, I was in the the best death metal band that I, I'm gonna say it humbly, but the best death metal band that came out of Rimouski, the 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 one that was more known, the the one that received the most uh, international recognition, and the one we are still talking about today. Mm. Do you think that you would not be? doing all these voice work and death metal and everything if you didn't grow up in Rimouski? Uh, I don't know. Because like I said, I've always been attracted to voices and to what we can do, but but the things I've learned in Rimouski, uh, uh, I think that's why for me, when people ask me when I come from, it's always hard for me because I come from Quebec, but for me in my mind, I come from Rimouski. I, I, it's like for me, I, I had the second birth there, you know, the birth of, of, 
my voices and my dreams about what what I can do with my voice. So 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 yeah, I think in a way, if I hadn't been there at that time, um, I, I would have been. Choir. In, I would be in a different place right now. Oh, I've probably been singing in a choir about Jesus and stuff, and I wanted to be a priest. <laughs> so maybe I I I, I maybe uh, you wanted to be I a priest, be, yeah, a priest and. Uh, Not a pedophile. A pedi- <laughs> no, a I priest. didn't say that. I said a priest. <laughs> no, because nowadays it's like it's, they're too close. It's, it, well, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they're too close for comfort. Uh, so yeah, maybe I would I would be doing that. But for me, what I did in Ramuski shaped my life. Uh, uh, necrotic mutation shaped helped shape. A, a big part of my life, and that's what I'm doing with necrotic right now. It's for me. It's putting back. On the on the scene, what has been so important to me and to all my friends back there, you know, back in the days, and uh, and for me, like at the beginning when I thought about the, all the project, for me it was mostly about the recognition of the past and making sure that we do not forget where we come from, because for me it shapes where we need to go. And when we don't know where we come from, and we, well, we, we, for me, we basically don't know where we're going. So for me, it was like, you know, all our old shows, like on VHS. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm. It's going to be on YouTube and and everything that I have from that period, because I, I just want to make sure that people don't forget that, you know. So so it's like um, for me, it's for for the collective memory of the metal scene in Quebec. That's why it's so important to me. That's amazing. <laughs> it's always a pleasure to talk with you. Always, you a always too, blow man. my mind. <laughs> I'm uh, humbled by your vocal prowess. Thank you. <laughs> your vocal powers and your vocal abilities. Um, thank you for being. <laughs> I have the power. <laughs> thank you for being a guest on Vox and Hops, and thank uh, you, I hope that we get to do it again. We could do like a live lesson. Of course, that'd be super fun. Thank you, man. All the best. Thank you. Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening to Vox and Hops episode number 13. Sebastian Crato, what a cool dude. Such a great, great singer. The techniques that he's gathered from his throat singing experiences just just blows my mind. He is such a good singer. This this past weekend, Cryptopsy played a show in Montreal and Necrotic Mutation played on that bill. And I just, you know, I spent, you know, the whole show thinking not of the 700 people who were sitting in the venue watching me play, but I was thinking of Sebastian Crato watching me play and uh, you know I was he's so good I wanted to live up to his standards to my standards and uh, it was a good personal challenge um, all this being said um, Vox and Hops is going to take a two week break for the holidays uh, I'm wishing all of you a very happy holiday I hope that you guys have spent time with your friends your family your loved ones take some time to relax drink a few good beers as I will and uh, I will be back in the new year with uh, my first interview from the Hell Over Europe tour which I did when I was on tour over there back in November and the first guest is the one, the only, Andrew Garrity. And now many people know Aaron Drew Garrity because uh, he is a, a musician. He is not only a musician, he is a tour dog. He is always on the road. He is either driving bands, doing merch, TMing. This guy is on tour more than most of the musicians that I know. He is more on tour than he is at home. So he has a whole bunch of amazing 
amazing anecdotes and stories about being on the road and what that's like and hilarious hilarious stuff that this comes out of this guy's mouth so all that and more coming up vox and hops episode number 14 with andrew garrity in 2019 cheers all the best happy holidays and happy new years from vox and hops Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard.